Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, this is Brian Ward from Shout Factory, and you are listening to the GeekCast Radio Network. Rerouting. Hello and welcome to GeekCast Radio. I am TFG and Mike, and this is going to be another special interview. We just interviewed uh, the composer of Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation, Mr. Joe Kramer. This is also going to be featured on Movie Week in Review, our general overall movie podcast that we have, which uh, is separate from the Cinema Geek Show. And this is the second interview on MWire after the Joe Kramer interview. This is the fourth time, I believe, fourth time this guest has been here. And ladies and gentlemen, earlier this year, two, right? For this year? Or was one last year and then one was this year? Was rerouting and they were both this year, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Just want to make sure. Uh, This person has had two short films come out that he has directed. He is also on the writing part of them as well. And we all know and love him as the greatest DVD producer at Chef Factory of all time, Mr. Brian Ward. Hello, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't even know you were, like, you've been at Shout for almost, what, 10 or 11 years at this point? It's like 12 years now. 12 years now, and you've also been directing short films for 11 of those 12 years, something I never even knew. Yeah, no, shorts go back to, uh, I mean, I was, I was making short films and, um, uh, short videos or whatever, uh, back as far as seventh grade, Uh, I got my first camera. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly... Uh, no stranger. In fact, I, I was making shorts in college with the very editor I use for my bonus materials. So awesome. That's so cool. All right. So we're mainly here in this interview on Geekcast Radio and Movie Week Interview to talk about Brian as a director, writer, someone who does short films. But we can't just have you here and not catch up on what's been going on at Shout Factory. Talk about the so, stuff, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what's been going on this year? You guys have had a whole bunch of MSTK3 stuff. You guys have had, uh, was Beast Machines this year, right? Or was it last year? Uh, May. It may have even been a couple years ago. It's like forever and a day since I've worked on Beast Machines. <laughs> um, 
So but what's going on with Shockfactor this year? A lot of Transformer stuff, though. You know, we, I mean, we've we've been doing um, we've been doing the uh, Rescue Bots, of course, but then we've also been doing the new Robots in Disguise series, which I'm actually enjoying quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, we we're still doing a lot of the uh, the popular and uh, some of the the B rated, um, you know, Scream Factory releases that are always have always been popular uh some of the ones that i have been uh really excited to work on in the past little bit that i i know have been announced uh, you know if you're a comic book fan we've got the documentary about image comics called the image revolution that i really enjoyed working on uh and that one uh is is literally the the extraordinary rise and even fall and then rise again of image comics. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, people who are fans of, uh, of like Jim Lee, which I'm a huge Jim Lee fan, Todd McFarlane, uh, Rob Liefeld, Eric Larson, uh, you know, Wilch Portacio, you know, for folks like that, uh, Mark Silvestri, you know, they, they, these guys are all in the film and, uh, it is a really great, um, I would actually say pulls no punches look at, you know, what was literally a revolution when the world's biggest artists just left Marvel and started their mm-hmm. own company. And uh, so that one's been a lot of fun. Um, I I just recently finished up a uh, Blu-ray that, that I've loved working on. Um, it's actually one of my favorite Kevin Costner films called No Way Out with Gene Hackman and Sean Young and uh, Will Patton. Um, that one, if people haven't seen it before, is absolutely fantastic. Directed by Rich, uh, Roger Donaldson, who uh, who also did uh, HMS Bounty or The Bounty, and then um, uh, a number of you know he also did Thirteen Days with Kevin Costner later uh, in his career, uh, The World's Fastest Indian, which I really love with Anthony Hopkins. Um, this one is a political thriller uh, where. Uh, Gene Hackman plays the Secretary of Defense who uh, is having an affair with a uh, a, a woman of the night, um, <laughs> not Catwoman, um, although it is Sean Young, uh, and uh, and without um, without spoiling anything, she is also uh, in a love affair with Kevin Costner. Someone ends up dead, and suddenly Kevin Costner uh, has to. Find the killer without also suggesting that he could be the killer. So, um, you know, it's it's pretty great. So uh, that one's awesome. I don't know. It's just been a lot of really cool stuff. And then unfortunately, because it's December, I am uh, working on and just wrapped up uh, a couple of projects that haven't even been announced that um, people are really going to be excited about. So, so, so we don't get any exclusives, right? Not at the moment. Nothing that I've been, you know, but, but right now, one of the things that I, I, that I'm really looking forward to gearing up on is something that is very much in the, uh, in the public right now. And that is the new mystery science theater. Mm-hmm. You know, we, for people who don't know, Shaw factory, uh, bought the rights to mystery science theater 3000, um, not just licensed, which we've been doing for the past several years now, but um, but a deal many years in the making. We finally purchased the rights and now co-own it with Joel Hodgson, who uh, fans would know, of course, as Joel Robinson, the original 
man with the bots up in the satellite of love. And uh, together we are going to unite to create brand new episodes of the series. Uh, our Kickstarter just ended uh, two weeks ago and um, uh, or not even two weeks ago, a little over a week ago. And um, uh, we funded enough. We originally wanted $2.2 million to fund three brand new feature length episodes of the series. Uh, 5.5 would have funded an entire season of 12. By the end of our uh, Kickstarter campaign, um, we had funded enough to do 14 brand new episodes, including a holiday special. So, oh, cool. um, so that, that is going to be insane. And if you want information uh, on that, you can go hit up um, bringbackmst3k.com. And uh, there's lots of information on guest writers. And we're going to have like Dan Harmon guest writing for the series. We're going to have cameo appearances by people like Jerry Seinfeld and uh, Bill Hader and uh, Mark Hamill. Um, It's it's going to be insane. Yeah, I can imagine. I think I was I think I missed the boat on Mystery Science Theater 3000 when it first came. I think I was too young at the time, so I've never actually gotten into any of it. It's, it's, I'd love it's, to, it's, but... Uh, the, the thing that I love about MST3K is that uh, it has jokes for literally every sense of humor. Um, mm-hmm. You can have a, a really lowbrow joke immediately followed up by some obscure reference to Shakespeare or Dostoevsky... Uh, and no matter where you are on the scale of humor, these guys nail it. And I'm really excited that, uh, Joel is going to be back. Um, but we're also going to have the new host of MST3K is going to be Jonah Ray, who a lot of people may know from comedy central, uh, and the Nerdist podcast. Um, and then they, he is going to be joined, uh, by, Crow and, and Tom, of course, and they'll be voiced uh, by new people as every incarnation of Tom and Crow are voiced by new people. And then um, the the mad scientist characters the uh, will be played by Felicia Day and Patton Oswalt. Um, and these guys are all going to, very much like the original series, these guys are all going to be writers on the series. So all the riffs are going to be really top-notch. You know when Patton Oswalt is co-writing something. <laughs> the, I mean, just his improv is top notch. Yeah. Just imagine what happens when he gets an opportunity to watch a movie and write it down. Um, so that on top of, you know, the, the various co-writers that, uh, uh or, or the various guest writers that are coming in, celebrity guest writers who grew up as fans and were inspired by mystery science theater 3000. Just imagine what the series is going to be like when these guys are, are writing for it. So, um, I'm really excited. Uh, and you know, I gotta tell you, even if you've never been a fan before, if you know what it's like to watch a movie and then just listen to people riff on them, mm-hmm. you are going to love the series. So stay tuned for 2016. Awesome. Awesome. You and uh, Dr. Andrea Letamendi just released episode 74 of the Arkham Sessions, which is the Batman Returns commentary, so you guys are almost 75 episodes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we took a little bit of time off. We, we You know, with the holiday schedule uh, yeah, and a number that's... of other things, it's, it's really difficult. You know. You know how 
oh yeah podcasts um uh-huh. but uh but yeah that 75 episodes we never thought we'd make it to five episodes let alone 75 you're, you're just over two years now right yeah we just uh in fact the 74th episode marks our two-year anniversary that's why we decided to do uh batman returns that and the fact that uh it, it is holiday time and mm-hmm. um you know, we couldn't think of a better bat-centric holiday movie than Batman Returns. And since you guys already covered Christmas with the Joker earlier, you can recover it. <laughs> um, all right. So you said you've been directing shorts since since you were a kid. What? What? I mean, tell us about how that came about. Did you always wanted to do film? movies and all that stuff or well what's interesting is uh i always grew up assuming that i would go into comic books Uh, Mm -hmm. i grew up uh constantly with a piece of paper uh, and a pencil in hand and if not a pencil a pen if not a pen a marker or a crayon or whatever whatever could put markings down on paper or any other surface i was uh, i had it in hand and i would be sketching things and drawing things and Um, I just always assumed that I would try to get into comic books. Um, but by the time I got into about seventh or eighth grade, uh, it got to a point where I realized that I had no patience for things like backgrounds. (laughs) And if you wanted me to illustrate a cover for you, no problem. I could do that. Uh, Everything would be fine. Uh, you would not get any complaints out of me. But the moment you needed 22 pages of panels with backgrounds and and characters doing dynamic things, I, I would just lose patience. The character was one thing, but constantly making sure the backgrounds were all in the right perspective and, you know, whatever. I, I, I just sort of lost it. But then I, I was handed a camera where I was like, oh, I can do everything that I ever did in comics. I can still create compositions. I can still Mm -hmm. put characters into the frame the way I want them. And the camera will move. And then lo and behold, the background will already be there. Um, And even if it's not, I'm not the one who has to put it there. So, (laughs) you know, it, it was that sort of thing was fantastic for me. And I had always grown up an actor. I'd grown up. Um, doing, you know, things as a kid. And, uh, and then as I got older, it just got to a point where that became my medium of choice. And when I moved out to Los Angeles, it, it certainly with, wasn't with delusions of grandeur, but um, I had been doing shorts in college. Uh, I had done a couple of things that, that people had seen. And um, I had moved out to L.A. to try to do something like directing, um, and then Shout Factory found me. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, after a very short time uh, in the mailroom, I then graduated to producing documentaries for DVDs and, uh, and, and then Blu-rays. And I've not really looked back since. But every opportunity we get to do something narrative uh, is really exciting for me. We, we don't always get to do them every year, but... Um, but but then you come across things like the 48-hour film project where um, it's just basically our excuse to get off our butts and make something, <laughs> you know, and, and it's really where I have my, my joy and my passion. Um, 
so with the four films that you had sent me were uh, for people that don't know, and I will put these in the post, people. Uh, the Pattern, The Junket, Rerouting, and Almost Midnight. Almost Midnight is the newest one. Mm-hmm. The first one I had seen, because the first time I'd ever heard about this, was when you posted either on Twitter or Facebook, I forget where it was, probably both, um, about rerouting. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. It's you know, it's Brian Ward. I love his DVD work. I'll check out and see what this is. And I watched it and watched it. And I'm like, oh, wow, that is the most uncomfortable situation to ever be in. <laughs> And then it flips at the end, and I'm like, oh, God, no, they didn't just do that. Yeah. <laughs> that was just so awesome. Um, so talk to us about Slush Pile. What's, what's the goal with them as far as, like, shorts in the future yeah. and I, you know, ideas and that kind of stuff? Well, it, Slush Pile started out, it was sort of an amalgam of, of um, you know, when I was a kid, I had, I had always had, like, uh, little little film companies and things like that and uh my best friend frank moeller uh who people might recognize as the editor of my bonus features he and i have been best friends for 20 years now Mm -hmm. um we've known each other since the third grade but uh after sixth grade uh my father was transferred to another state and we lost contact and then we met again on the second day of freshman orientation in college and um, and uh, just by coincidence, just sitting down one next to one another, and we've been in, in, inseparable since. Uh, he really took a liking to editing, um, and I was already a big fan of directing at the time. So it got to a point where we just started making as many things as possible uh, together, and we would take uh, we would take classes that would allow us the opportunity to make. Uh, shorts, whether they were three minutes in length or 30 minutes in length. And, um, and, uh, you know, he, he was always up for the, for the project when it came to the 48 hour films, he had already done one in Atlanta in 2002, I think it was. And, uh, mm-hmm. when he came out about a month later to move out to Los Angeles, uh, I had already been here for a year. He was like, you know, Brian, we, I had just done this thing in Atlanta. Uh, you've got 48 hours to make a movie. Let's, let's make, let's do it. And uh, mm-hmm. so we did. And um, within uh, a couple of years, we had, we'd sort of merged our two entities together and it became slush pile entertainment. Um, all because, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how familiar you are with, you know, the literary, um, the literary, you know, publishing Field, but the slush pile is the unsolicited work that writers send in, and um, right. you're very lucky if you get noticed. And so we were like, "Well, that's us. We're <laughs> we have no agents. We are no. We aren't solicited. We we are the slush pile." And so, um, slush pile entertainment was born, and um, and we've made uh, four or five shorts out of the ten that we've done total uh, through the forty hour film project. Uh, I think. Five, four or five of them have been through Slush Pile. Uh, we just started uh, putting together a website where people are going to be able to see all of the shorts we've done, whether it's through our original uh, homemade films or uh, or Force Perspective Media, which was a little company we had at the time where we were doing like uh, corporate videos and things like that, and then uh, Slush Pile Entertainment, which uh, who knows? We would like to take this uh, this company and actually do something, whether it's creating additional bonus content for other people or making other short films. Basically, we just wanted to have a hub where people could come and and check everything out. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and as I said, the latest one that you did was almost midnight. And it's kind of a New Year's kind of thing since this is the holiday season and all that. Um, after watching that one, I'm like, I need to know what the heck happened. <laughs> <laughs> like, obviously, yeah. in, in that we know a certain character. You know, and I, I don't want to spoil it for people here in the interview, but you know what I'm talking about. Yes. But it's like, after I watched it, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. How did that happen? When did that happen, and how did that affect the breakup? Yeah. Okay. All right. So you're so you're totally on board. Um, basically, the way that um, we do things for people who don't know about the Forty Eight Hour Film Project in general, um, it is a an annual project uh, where filmmakers from all over Los Angeles, and this is just one of the many many cities uh, where the Forty Eight Hour Film Project uh, hosts events. The the filmmakers all get together on a Friday night and by 7 p.m. everyone has drawn a genre out of a hat and um, then you are given a, a character, a line of dialogue and a prop and, and every uh, filmmaker has to make a short film um from 7 p.m. Friday to 7.30 p.m., they give you a half hour to travel uh, to turn it in. 7.30 p.m. on Sunday, you have to conceive, write, shoot, edit your entire short. Uh, mm. Nothing is supposed to be pre-produced. And uh, we have done 10 of them now. And uh, at this point, we basically use the the festival as an opportunity to experiment because the rules of the festival dictate that no crew members can be paid uh, mm-hmm. so it 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 evens the playing field for for filmmakers who don't have a ton of crew people who um are you know paid crew or paid actors so you can use sag actors but you can't pay them you can use union crew members but you can't pay them so uh we will do all of that, and um, uh, and I think it really helps the project because you're you're basically relying on the writing, the acting, and just the talent that you have rather than the money that you have, mm-hmm. and uh, and so we have taken on this this uh, sort of mentality that we want to experiment. Um, if I'm going to pay a crew, say. $50,000, I'm going to get really nervous about the kinds of things I'm willing to try because if mm-hmm. I blow that 50 grand and the movie doesn't work, I'm in trouble. But if it's a 48 hour film and I, I'm not really paying anybody anything, I mean, I'm paying for food and I'm paying for props or costumes or whatever, but I'm not paying them for their time and their talent. Right. I can do whatever I want and, uh, and I can feel okay at the end of it. And, uh, and so for the last maybe four or five, uh, I think I sent you four, um, Mm -hmm. it's sort of, and especially with, uh, almost midnight, that's the one that we just recently did where it was also holiday themed and we drew new year's Eve slash day. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and we also drew drama. And so, uh, (laughs) it's, it's heavy drama. Uh, yeah. It, 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 it's it's nothing like rerouting because rerouting is almost a a, a, a um, 
it's a comedy, but it's one of those ironic comedies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that's sort of what we're looking for is the opportunity. Like in the case of Almost Midnight, we wanted to make the film uh, the, the, the film project regret drama having ever been in the hat in the first place. <laughs> and so uh, it might have worked. Um, I think it did. <laughs> but, but in that one, I decided to get creative. Um, when people see it, uh, they don't necessarily know this going in. But eventually you're watching the same party happen one year apart. And uh, the difference a year can make between uh, a couple, a, a young couple that, are, that is just starting their relationship uh, versus uh, a family where, you know, the house that, that the party is in is owned by a family with children and um, and then the following year, some very dramatic things have happened. And uh, I had an amazing group of writers. A lot of times I will end up sort of spearheading the writing. And uh, I, we'll all sit down that night uh, on Friday and we'll all sort of hash out a, uh, a, a story idea and who will play what characters. And, um, and then I will usually go off and write it. And, you know, once we knew what we were going to attempt, um, because the two films take place with a split screen between them or the two time periods, the two parties take place with a, a split screen between them. And I was like, that's going to be really hard for me. So uh, I gave up all of the writing to four really talented writers, um, including uh, Tom Zoller, who mm -hmm. a lot of folks know um he's a comic book writer he he currently does a lot of uh my little pony comics but then he's also popular for his own comics uh long distance which just recently came out which is a In fantastic trade. oh it's great yep. and yeah, uh that thing is awesome i actually interviewed him this year <laughs> he's such a great guy uh, yeah he's awesome you know, such a, a humble guy and a just a wealth of of uh, pop culture knowledge and um, uh, the two of us can't get through a single conversation without instantly almost speaking exclusively in Star Trek quotes. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, he'd done that and he'd also done Love and Capes, which is sort of the mad about you of superheroes where it's like all of the, the life that goes on in the life of a superhero uh, outside of the superheroics. I've read the first two volumes so far. Yeah. I'm in the middle of the third one. I, I remember when I got to issue eight, and I think it was volume two, and the cover is um, is is Darkblade, and he's he's holding up a animated cartoon version of Tom. He's like, "All right, cartoonist boy, I'm the I'm the main character's best friend. Right. Why do I why don't I get the cover?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely awesome and hilarious yeah he's a trip and and he is actually the one who came up with the idea um we had been leaning in another direction and and tom lives in ohio the rest of us are in la <laughs> tom said yeah. um hey i'm you know i see that you do this all the time i if you ever want we can i can skype in and you know i can help out and so we had sort of been going in a different direction and then we skyped in with tom and he was like what if we do the same the same party a year apart and we're like okay that other idea we had scrap that idea we're gonna go with this one and, uh, <laughs> you know and and so once we decided to do that tom and my friend wally and my other friend john monsonfoon and um and then uh, uh my colleague and friend antonio lopez they they 
began hashing out this story. And what's interesting is throughout the course of the night, this is a really long-winded way of answering your question, no one could figure out what had happened to Mm -hmm. or with that character and what had happened to or with a relationship uh, that you see. And right. and ultimately, when I came back from from talking with my DP about how we were going to shoot this whole thing, they were like, OK, well, we've nailed some things down. We know who's playing what. Oh, and by the way, Brian, you're playing this character. And I was like, oh, I, I am. Oh, OK. Um, and so I, suddenly I realized I was acting in it. And then they told me the story and it all came down to it didn't matter. Um, you know, like we wanted it to be open ended now. What you can't see, unfortunately, is something that was in the production design. And unfortunately, because of the way it was shot with the 235 mat, you're missing a little bit of information. Um, There's a moment where I am walking past uh, this window in the very beginning with this young lady. And Mm -hmm. you see uh, uh, there's a table of of, uh, alcohol bottles by the window. Um, the next time we shot that, they were all replaced by soda bottles and water. <laughs> and so we were like, oh, maybe there's a little, oh, some character was affected by maybe the alcohol. Oh, how did, how, how was my character involved with that? And, you know, things like that. So we let, you know, the audience basically sort of work out the story on their own. But yeah. we do have, uh, Frank actually came up with, I think, the best possible backstory scenario um where uh where my character is uh not responsible but takes responsibility Uh, and uh hence my um reaction to things later but uh me when i watched it and i mean because i haven't watched something split screen since the days of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, honestly. Um, (laughs) When I watched it, I didn't have a problem keeping up. It it was very well done as far as between the two screens. And you didn't, you obviously know there's a split, but it's, it kind of flows together kind of like the way it's supposed to at the end and and what happens at the end of the thing. (laughs) Um, But the one thing I noticed throughout the entire thing is the only thing that remains the same between the the year that's passed is the drunkle. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I'm glad that you noticed that too because um, because that was one of those things. the The required character uh, for that particular project was uh, um, Bruce McLean, uh, comma outcast. So they always give you a a, a name and they give you a. Uh, an occupation or some sort of uh, characteristic. And um, you don't necessarily have to use the name as long as we can see that that person is an outcast or a teacher or, a you know, whatever. Um, or you can just call them by their name and that that's fine, too. We just assume they're an outcast or whatever. Uh, and, and in this case, my friend Brad, who um, I have loved dearly for... Uh, about 12 years, 12, 13 years now. Um, He plays that character so well. Um, (laughs) And you'll, and you picked up on it. He's the only character who hasn't even changed clothes. 
Uh, <laughs> well, I didn't pick up on that, but <laughs> well, and he, uh, yeah, he has no real character arc, and he's literally wearing the same costume. So it's almost like um, not that he wore that that set of clothes for an entire year, but that he's the guy who's like, "This is my outfit to go out to parties in." You know, or it's it's you know, it just becomes a thing where if you're going to take a snapshot of each year, he was going to be wearing that same thing because God, that's what he's always wearing at parties or that's what he's always wearing at family gatherings or or whatever. In fact, um, there's a line of dialogue that uh, this girl says as she's walking up and she crosses between the two years and mm-hmm. she says, um, uh, like I said last year, don't touch me. And then, (laughs) and as he crosses over, we see that he's wearing the same outfit and she literally says, oh, you never change. Yeah. (laughs) And that could be seen as any number of things, but we were like, tee hee. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's, it's simply awesome. It really, really is. Everybody needs to go watch these shorts because they're just so, so good. Some of them, like some of the, the earlier ones, um, like the junket, I really like, um, that one is just me doing my day job. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, we... That's a real inside joke. <laughs> that, one, that one was a lot of fun for us because um, I'm, I'm actually using the same crew that I use for, um, for my bonus features, the same cameraman and the same sound op. And uh, it, it was like, Irving, I want you to set up two cameras... Uh, and I just want you to have them. I I literally want the interview we would be shooting if we were doing Transformers interviews or mm-hmm. whatever. And the whole premise of that one um, is, is for uh, for folks who have not seen it. It's a press junket for a movie where two people who are both uh, in the film, they're the stars of the movie. And one of them has sort of become the writer director as well and maybe a little pompous. <laughs> they've been in the chairs talking to press for too long and yeah. now they're just biting at one another. And, uh, that one just became fun because it's like, look, I've always, I always love the stories of, I mean, I know a bunch of PR people and I love the stories of like press junkets gone bad. And, uh, and so again, Bradford plays that character really well. And, um, and then I get to be the the straight man slash angry ginger. <laughs> I actually, if you go look at the if you go look at the at the video, um, I actually commented on them like, "Oh my god, ginger rage! You did not go there." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, uh, I think that one that one was the first one where we did that sort of thing. And then the second one uh, was rerouting earlier this year, where I think uh, Brad make some comment he calls me ginger minge or something and, <laughs> and uh, at, at some point i think drea even was the one who saw that one and she's like that that's hilarious but um, maybe in your next one you not focus on the gender rage stuff. yeah <laughs> so we did well i mean the like i said between rerouting and almost midnight they're two totally different genres you really couldn't have I don't think the char- I don't think your character would have been as emotionally connected to the audience if you had referenced the ginger rage and almost midnight compared to rerouting because rerouting the character that you play in the in the film actually it it turns out and uh, again I'm not going to spoil it but it basically turns out that you're just there mm-hmm. 
Um, and I think my favorite part, and this is just something so little that maybe only I picked up on, was the as you're backing out of the driveway, just shaking your head. <laughs> you're, like, you're definitely not the only one who's picked. Okay. In fact, I, in fact, I'm told a lot that 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 I mean, granted, my face is what's in the foreground, but I can never stop looking at. Um, there's a group of folks who might be brawling in the background. And uh, I'm always watching that. To me, that's hilarious. Um, but then people are like, oh, my God, that face you were making. Yeah, like, that's ugh, that's just my real. I got to get out of that face. Yeah, pretty much. Um, all right. Uh, so is there anything at all that you can tease for us that's coming for Shout Factory or for Slush Pile? Nothing for Slush Pile right now, although we are, um, we we recently got, uh, for our the most recent two films, we got quite a few accolades, and uh, that may have lit a fire a little bit. So I think we're definitely going to start working on, uh, on some stuff coming up. Um, if not another short, uh, one that we can do in longer than a 48-hour period of time, that would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, so I think we can actually have a little time to plan things. Um, you know, I think we'll, we'll definitely do that. But then I'm also talking to a couple of people, um, about a long, just, just gestating, um, feature that, uh, I've wanted to do now for about a dozen years. Um, and, uh, I, I've got to, I've got to talk to the writer who is a, uh, a known entity at this point. Um, so, you know, we got to, got to talk to him and, you know, see if he's still down to make it. And if so, uh, I think maybe we'll ride this, this wave, uh, for as long as we can. Uh, as far as shout goes, um, I am constantly working on things that, uh, I'm in love with. Uh, you can't talk about them. Yeah. At the moment, <laughs> I can't talk about most of them. MST3K is really our bread and butter right now. And that's, uh, that's in, in, a lot of different facets, not just in a TV episode version, but I just different things we can do. Um, I'm very excited about getting in on that. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Why don't you inform the people where they can get in contact with you online if they would like to do so? You can absolutely find me on Twitter. I am at bward028. Um, and you can uh, find me uh, with the Arkham Sessions podcast. We are at Arkham Sessions. You can also email me any, at any time. That's uh, uh, arkhamsessions at gmail.com. I'm constantly checking that as well as Drea. Uh, and, then, uh, and then, yeah, you know, Twitter is really the best possible place to find me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this interview here on GeekCast Radio Network's M-Wire Movie Week in Review. Uh, coming up, we've got episode, hopefully episode 124, 125, and 126. Episode 124 will be the Terminator franchise. Episodes 125 and 126 will be content that we recorded almost two and a half years ago, which would be the Beverly Hills Cop franchise and Hustler or the hustler, I should say. Uh, so that's that's what's going on with with Mwire. Keep those film reels rolling, and we will catch you later. Rerouting. Hi, this is Dr. Andrea Letamendi and Brian Ward from the Arkham Sessions, and you are listening to the Geekcast Radio Network. 
Hi, my name is Dr. Andrea Letamendi, clinical psychologist. And I'm Brian Ward, nerd. And we want to invite you to listen to our new podcast, The Arkham Sessions. It's a podcast dedicated to the fun and geeky analysis of Batman the Animated Series, episode by episode. We pay tribute to the writers and the stories of the animated series. While also exploring the very real psychology behind Gotham's rogues. And maybe even its heroes. All of this and more each week on the Arkham Sessions at underthemaskonline.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at trylifemd.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to trylifemd.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.